From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Rowan Nadler, and we have Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the line as a co-host for Leadership Development News. Between Kathy and I, we are your leadership development coaches, and we have helped over uh, thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. And today is going to be a very unique show. Uh, we're going to feature Roger Nuremberg. And after a distinguishing career at the helm of two American orchestras, Roger is now emerging as a creative force for innovation in the presentation of symphonic music. Roger created the highly successful experiential learning event called The Music Paradigm. We'll get him to speak about that. Both Kathy and I have been involved in it, so we've witnessed it. And this is where an orchestra is used as a metaphor for a dynamic organization. On today's show, we'll find out how Roger came up with this outstanding and highly successful program that he's used corporations all over and how you, too, can enjoy his innovative ideas in organizing uh, in organizational learning. And, Kathy, we want to bring you on and say hello. Hello, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here today. And like Relly, I am very excited to have Roger Nuremberg on the show with us today. And we're going to talk about how we can use the idea of um, an orchestra versus something like a sports team to help companies truly engage organizational learning. So, Raleigh, take it away. Okay, good. And, you know, uh, before we bring Roger on, we always like to tell you about some of the evidence-based facts uh, of why do we speak about leaders and leadership. Well, one reason is that leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of their team. In other words, uh, leaders are the emotional thermostat for their team because emotions are contagious. So if they are excited and passionate, their team is excited and passionate. If they are bored and stagnant, often their team is going to be bored and stagnant. And so we know the key to being a star performer uh, is someone being in the top 10%, and typically that's using some of these emotional intelligence competencies that we like to talk about. And we know if you can get leaders into the top 10%, they will produce twice as much revenue to the organizations as managers in the 11th to the 89th percentile. So that's why it's important that if you can get a couple things that you can do differently, we call micro-initiatives, to move people into the top 10%. And what can really help organizations, one is training, and both Kath and I do training, but we're also coaches. And we know training can add to productivity about 22%. But if you add training and coaching, follow-up coaching, it can add to productivity as high as 88%. And bringing coaches into your uh, organization, studies show uh, <clears throat> that as much as 77% uh, increasing life and professional satisfaction uh, you can get with coaching. So with that, if you want more information 
about Dr. Kathy Greenberg, she can be reached at www.h2cleadership.com for happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in me, Dr. Rowan Adler, I can be reached at www.truenorthleadership for free emotional intelligence assessments, uh, books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. So, Kathy, you want to bring us to the next I would love to. Thanks, Relly. You know, one of the things that Relly and I absolutely insist on doing in every one of our shows is bringing you the best in current leadership topics. And, uh, you know, Relly just went through a whole lot of statistics in a very short period of time. But what we always try to do with each and every one of our shows is provide you as leaders with evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And as you are well aware. You know, leaders become the heartbeat of an organization. And, um, you know, while they actually help create and maintain an organization's wealth, they also can underestimate just how important they are and their behavior is to the company. And sometimes as a result, they tend, well, they can tend to underperform and so can their firms. But uh, on all of our programs, we like to help you learn to do a few things just small things differently so that you can really improve your performance and your organization's performance. We um, have a great show for you today with Roger Nuremberg, who's going to talk about the use of the music paradigm as one of those examples. But most of our shows will include at least one of the following, how you can develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, what you might want to know about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies that you can use to influence your own success, a little bit about brain and neuroscience contributions, something about work-life balance or generational and gender differences, and, of course, strategies for managing your boss and self-management tools to make you your best. We're very happy today to bring to you live uh, a terrific human being who has figured out an innovative way to really bring music to life in organizations as an example of organizational learning. And our guest today is Roger Nuremberg. For 14 years, Roger led the Jacksonville Symphony Orchestra in Florida, and he actually succeeded in building one of the great concert halls in America. I think if you asked Roger... Uh, the pinnacle of his career in Jacksonville was the orchestra's appearance in the Carnegie Hall Festival of American Orchestras. But also during his lengthy uh, tenure with the Stanford Symphony in Connecticut, the orchestra developed a reputation as one of the finest in New England. Roger has conducted many of America's most distinguished orchestras and opera companies and has performed at some of the world's most prestigious music festivals. His recording with the London Philharmonic Orchestra can also be found on Sony Classical Records. Uh, I think you'll agree when you hear Roger today that he has really distinguished himself in creating one of the most highly successful experiential learning events now known uh, to us as the Music Paradigm. And he started that in 1995, and we're going to talk to Roger about how he created this event. Um, This is an event where an orchestra is used as a metaphor for a dynamic organization, and we're going to talk more about that today. Uh, He actually has created an event where executives are seated among musicians, and Roger leads a series of exercises carefully crafted to address 
the sponsoring organization's specific issues. The music paradigm provides a creative framework for rethinking leadership style, philosophies, and effectiveness. And since its inception, the music paradigm sessions have been held for more than 150 major companies, leading financial institutions, and global consulting firms throughout the U.S., Europe, Asia, Latin America, and it's been done with over 70 different orchestras. It has been the subject of reports on ABC, CBS, CNN, PBS, and of course, it was the sole feature of an hour-long broadcast on the BBC's Money Program. We are delighted to have Roger with us today, and both Relly and I have experienced the magic of Roger Nuremberg's program through the genius of companies like Linkage Leadership Summits, and I can't tell you how thrilled we are to have you. Roger, welcome to the show. Hi. Well, um, Roger, why don't, uh, why don't we start with just a, a little bit about yourself and how you came to work in the field of music and now organizational development? Well, I was one of these people who, you know, as a child, heard, heard the voice of music, you, you might say, and, and, uh, and I knew that that's what I wanted my life to be about. And um, I, I started playing in orchestras, you know, when I was about oh, nine years old, like, like most of my schoolmates. But I started writing music around then. So my first ambition was to be a composer. And indeed, I, I studied with uh, Ellie Sigmeister, a great American composer whose whose 100th birthday is just being celebrated this week. And um, But uh, I just, I found playing in an orchestra so incredibly thrilling that I really wanted to conduct. And that was eventually the profession that, that I pursued. So most of my professional life has been in, in conducting orchestras and, and operas. And so maybe um, say a little bit about how that, how that merged into the organizational development field. And maybe uh, first, for, for how many years did you actually conduct before you had this, I guess it was a brainstorm at some time, to say, how do I link that into what goes on in organizations? Well, I'd say maybe about 20 years okay. uh, before, before anybody really looked to me at all for any kind of uh, uh, leadership development work. Uh, it was really, it was quite an accident. Um, uh, I knew that there were a lot of people to whom music did not speak. And I, I was looking for a way to, to bring them inside of the experience that I had. Um, and, and it was kind of just a series of, of, uh, of accidents that brought me to, there was a, a scent that I, I, I smelled. There was something, an opportunity. And, and without really knowing what I was doing, I invented this kind of experiential learning um, uh, that I called uh, the music paradigm, eventually, um, which um, made gave power to all the things that I had learned as a conductor, because as a conductor you're you're in an, an intense leadership position, and you get very uh, strong and immediate feedback. Uh, when you make a leadership mistake, you really feel it bite you. When you when you make good leadership decisions, you feel the response in the sound of the orchestra. So. Over the course of doing that for 20 years and, and making a lot of mistakes and, and then having, having moments of, of success, 
eventually I began to, to see that by giving people an insider view on what really goes on in an orchestra, that they can actually learn a great deal about themselves and, um, and their role in their organization, leadership at many different levels. Uh, it was not really what I was pursuing, but once I had invented this, um, uh, then business organizations began to find a lot of value in it, and that, that really surprised me. Um, and the more I did it, the more I customized it for each organization, the more I saw how powerful it was for my clients. And you said it kind of happened by accident. How did, how did that happen? Did someone suggest it to you? Did you suggest it to someone else? How did, how did that evolve? Well, I think there were many things that went into it, but at one point one of the uh, organizations that supported the Stanford Symphony and had heard me give a lot of uh, sort of pre-concert talks, uh, they were having a business meeting, and they wanted to... to um, they wanted me to come and talk about teamwork amongst musicians. Uh-huh. And I said, well, I'd be happy to do that, provided that I was briefed about exactly why, you know, wh- what was the meeting about and where was I fitting in. And this was an organization that was undergoing a uh, change in its business model from being essentially a product-oriented uh, structure to a client-oriented structure. And so everybody's job was going to be redefined. Roger, I'm going to ask you if you would hold that thought for just one minute while we go to break. And we will come right back. This is Leadership Development News, and you're listening to Roger Nuremberg. Thank you. The bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a twig set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I hope it has leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I hope it has leaky doors. 
cried the second. I opened out the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadilocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Homeowners, real estate investors, bankers, listen up and tune in to Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight, the show that breaks it all down and gives it to you straight. Are you at risk of foreclosure? Interested in buying a foreclosed property? Mark Bull has the answers to the questions you might forget to ask. Finance, Foreclosures, and Foresight broadcasts live on the Voice America Business Channel, Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. You can't afford not to tune in. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Roger Nuremberg. And just before the break, Roger, um, you were telling us about uh, organizations and how you brought this to organizations and and kind of clarifying what they wanted, especially that first one. It sounded like it went from a product to a service orientation. Maybe you can follow up on that. Uh, Well, they invited me to come and speak. But once I learned what what their issue was, uh, I could see that, Speaking wasn't going to be as powerful as demonstrating, uh-huh. and I saw that really, in a way, what they what they needed to understand was how chamber music works. And so I came with a string quartet, and I did a demonstration of how the teams in a in a chamber ensemble work together. They all have to know the whole the whole piece, even though each is playing its own part. And after that, when I saw what an impact that had. Uh, I was invited by a real visionary on the Jacksonville Symphony Board, a man named Paul Kahn, uh, to do it for his organization. And then when we did it with the whole orchestra, it was it was very uh, impactful. Even I, I was I was really astonished. And um, and it was Paul who suggested to me, you know, you could you could take this on the road. You could do this for a lot of organizations. And within a year or two of that. Uh, that moment, I was actually doing it for uh, high-level meetings, CEOs, annual meetings for Fortune 100 corporations. And when I saw the feedback from that, that was when I began to realize that this was something really important. So one of the people, it sounds like you've been influenced by in terms of your thinking on the role of your artistry in teaching leadership has been um, this gentleman who is a board member for you, Paul Kahn. Can you talk a little bit more about who who else may have been influential in your thinking? Well, you know, there's the conductor, Carlos Kleiber, who's, the, you know, this incredible great master. I never knew him, but I had the privilege of seeing him conduct a couple of times. 
and um, I have many friends in the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra who who talked about what it was like, and um, and his ideas, not his ideas, but the way he conducted, taught me a great deal about leadership. And then there were some brilliant business leaders uh, that I came in contact with. Uh, I collaborated with uh, consultants from Delta Consulting, which has changed its identity a number of times since then, and then with many people from the Boston Consulting Group, and one person in particular, a man named Stuart Blender, who was in charge of the supply chain at uh, Lever Brothers, and that was a client who was a brilliant tactician. And so there were many thinkers uh, who's, from whom I learned and whose ideas I incorporated um, as, as this thing began to grow. You know, um, Roger, given that Kathy and I both have experiences, it probably would be worthwhile maybe just explaining kind of what, what happens for, for the listener. Again, uh, I'm such a strong advocate of experiential learning, <clears throat> bring that to all the trainings and things that I do, and especially around teamwork. And a lot of times I like to say that teamwork is it's an unnatural act. It's not a natural thing to play well with others, and especially an organizational level. But maybe what you can you can do is, Maybe unpack this experience for for the listeners. What what actually happens, you know, when well, you bring this to an organization? How does it how does it work? What's the structure like? Yeah. Most of my clients uh, are uh, engage me around the meeting that they're having, and in which their organization is changing in some way. Its strategy is changing in response to changing business conditions, um, and they need to communicate that to the people who are going to execute that strategy, uh, many of whom um, haven't really seen the big picture uh, that makes the, the need for change clear. And typically, these kinds of very successful uh, executives, uh, they, don't, they don't take very kindly to being told by other people what to do, especially being told that the things that have made them successful in the past are now going to have to change. They're going to have to give up some of those things and learn other kinds of things. Um, and so what the music... They, they come into a room, and in the room there's a symphony orchestra. They're a real live symphony orchestra. And they're invited to, to sit down in chairs that are sprinkled about right in and amongst the orchestra. So they're, they're very close, you know, close enough to touch the musicians. Um, uh, there are... I've done it for groups as small as 25 and, and as large as actually uh, 2,000 people. And, uh, Roger, how many people are in an orchestra? It varies. Uh, the smallest orchestra I use is about 15, mm-hmm. and the largest is about 90. Okay. So, uh, so they're seated amongst the musicians, and, um, and they listen to and watch the orchestra play, and... I begin to invite them to make observations, to, in effect, spy on the orchestra and try to understand what are the skills that enable it to work. And so for, for the participants, it's a process of discovery. And I'm not telling them how it works. I'm asking them to, to observe it. Well, of course, in the beginning, there are probably a lot of people who are skeptical about the, the value of this and, and feel that it's, it has very little to do with their everyday life. But as they begin to understand 
that the orchestra has a need to align around the purpose, that it has disciplines and processes that it has to maintain, that it needs to communicate across divisions, and it needs to break down silos. Uh, there are many there are many parallels between what the particular issues that that organization is facing and what can be demonstrated and modeled by an orchestra. And I asked when when you earlier said I design exercises, I I asked the the musicians to role play various kinds of behaviors. And because it's music, everybody can immediately hear the effect of that behavior on the result. And the behaviors are are chosen in such a way as to in effect hold up a mirror to the to those participants and their organization mm-hmm. to allow them to see the effect of certain dysfunctional behavior and to see how much better everything works when a new behavior is modeled by the musicians so in a way it it's like allowing the the people in the organization to see themselves without telling them exactly what it means everybody draws the conclusions for themselves and as a result of that uh people take ownership of what it is that they've discovered uh, because it's their own insight uh, and they walk away with, from this uh, two-hour session with a new excitement about what they might be able to achieve and um, some ideas about how they might do it and some real soul-searching questions about their own behaviors. It's it's amazing um, as I listen to you talk about the experience that certainly I've shared uh, with you and Relly has shared with you. It's very, very magical to, if you are especially someone who grew up around uh, music, listening to music, to be immersed in an orchestra for uh, this experience. How, how can you, as the conductor, tell what is going on in the audience when you're both conducting and orchestrating at the same time. So you are, you're leading an orchestra that has a piece of music, but you're also watching an audience of people who are from some organization that you have not experienced before, but you know what some of the issues perhaps uh, that are going on. And how, how do you tell, how do you know what's going on in the audience? Well, I think what you're asking is that, that I have... I have these, uh, you know, let's say 150 strangers from from the client organization, yes. these executives who are seated there. And I don't know them. I've never met them before. And then I have another group of strangers, which is the orchestra, because most of the orchestras that I work with, you mentioned that I've, I've done it with 70 different orchestras. I've, I've never met the orchestra until that day, and we've only had an hour to, to rehearse. So there are a bunch of, a lot of new people who are in front of me. And yet it's important for this experience to work since I'm going to interview a number of the musicians. I mean, I'm going to pass the mic to them and ask them questions. And I'm also going to ask some of the participants from the the client organization uh, questions about what they saw, what they heard. Um, I have to read read all those people and get a feeling for who's engaged, you know, who's, who's turned on, who's turned off, where where are the people who are going to help to to um, 
to carry this agenda forward. And so we get a really deep uh, examination of the particular issues that the client has called the meeting for. So in that moment, there are a lot of things to be aware of. You're, you're aware of the music, you're aware of who's going to play, but your your attention is is just jumping around from one place to another, and conductors' minds work very, very, very fast during rehearsals. And I think that's the best way to describe what's going on. I'm just reading a very detailed map in front of me, and, and what I'm reading is all of those people, and I'm look, I'm trying to figure out who can help further this agenda in this room. So as you're describing this, Roger, I'm thinking about that all this is, is nonverbal. You know, I mean, you're hearing the sounds, you're seeing their sights. We've talked on some of our um, shows before about the brain, and there's a part of the brain that's called the mirror neuron that has su- supposedly the part that, that has uh, depicts empathy, and you're able to kind of feel inside you what's going on with others. And given that you've been doing this for so long, it, it, can you maybe describe what that's like for you, or are you actually experiencing? You're, like I know you're saying you're reading that, but are you actually? Can you look at someone and maybe experience what's what's going on for them, or what's not going on for them when you see them? Well, some, if you look at somebody and you see that they're closing their eyes and there's an expression that crosses their face of you know serenity, let's say, or excitement or something like that, mm-hmm. you know that that person is having an experience of the music. Now. It's much easier to experience the music when you are in the midst of it because you feel the vibrations against your body. You're not just hearing it with your ears. It has a palpable physical feeling. You can also see the people who are staring at a musician, you know, with a kind of awed expression. And then you you can also see the people who are are sort of like they have a a cynical, uh, turned-off expression. and you can also see amongst the musicians the ones who are the real communicators and the ones who are, who are more passive. And <clears throat> beg your pardon. Oh no, we're going to go yeah. to a break. So hold that thought, and we'll be right back with leadership development news. And we're talking to Roger Nuremberg about the music paradigm. So stay tuned. Come right back. Bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. 
Before every word, there is a thought. Before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speed. All leaders rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look, these are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, then you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, the profiles and practices of top performers. We're talking with Roger Nirenberg and, uh, about the music paradigm. And, and, you know, Roger, as you've been speaking, both Kathy and I were saying it's very it's a fascinating once uh, being a part of this, but also uh, as a psychologist, thinking about what you said earlier and change and working in organizations, that it really seems like people are disarmed. Their, their defenses are down and they are really able to see themselves uh, in the musicians. And, and maybe you can talk a little bit about what, you know, what kind of experiences that people have, and, and you also mentioned that you have the musicians play certain behaviors. So maybe a way to start is what, what behaviors do the musicians play, the role play, and then what, the, what, do, what do people experience, how, what resonates with them? Well, let me talk first about what you said about it being disarming. And, and it, I know that it is. I've, ex- I've seen this over and over and over. So I'm, I'll try to explain why. Um, the, you know, the subject of, of the, uh, the session together is really the orchestra and the way it works together, the way it aligns, the way they partner, the way they communicate, the way they collaborate. Um, and be, that being the subject, it's very far away from from the kinds of things that people do. So nobody really has any reason to get defensive. Mm-hmm. Nobody's being attacked. All they're they're asking, they're being asked to do is to to observe. And yet, it's so it's metaphorical representation of what goes on in their organization, about which I have been briefed earlier than this. Mm-hmm. So I designed the the metaphors in such a way that it it might mirror the kinds of things. Let's say, for example, uh, you have an organization where you have a, an individual or a group of individuals or maybe one division that happens to be particularly strong. You know, let's say very brilliant, very articulate, uh, very productive, but 
that that strength is actually a is having a damaging effect on the organization because it's it's uh, not allowing other other divisions or other individuals to be heard and to have their influence so that let's say you have a very very strong sales department you know it's very ambitious and and uh, and what they're doing is they're selling more than the than the company can comfortably produce and so instead of the, instead of that strength acting in, in favor of them it becomes a dysfunction and it it gets the clients upset because because of all the 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 things that follow after the sale so one of the ways that i might demonstrate that is having certain instruments in the orchestra that are strong to um to in effect uh, eclipse the others because of their strength and then i show them how one of the things that a leader has to do is to balance all of those sounds and i show them what the orchestra sounds like when it's balanced and when it's out of balance and and suddenly they they begin to hear how beautiful that balance is and then they 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 begin to understand that that's one of the things that the orchestra does that it specializes in the strong people know how to restrain themselves the the other people know how to come forward at the right moment and they begin to hear this sort of three-dimensional aspect of hearing in which people are shifting their roles leading sometimes leading sometimes supporting sometimes resting and it gives them a flash of insight about whether they are the loud one or whether they are the one who needs to assert or they begin to ask themselves what do i need to do in order to support do i really value what it is to accompany or do i always want to be the soloist and is my company suffering as a result of that behavior so what i'm after is this kind of aha moment of revelation roger um, how do you prepare this orchestra that you've never met um for this kind of experience uh given every audience is also different i mean i I'd love you to talk a little bit about how you do that preparation, what goes into that, so that they get that essence of the experience as well. Well, it's really interesting. I don't prepare the orchestra at all. Oh, my gosh. The orchestra, we rehearse the music, but all we rehearse doing is playing it. So the various exercises that I'm going to ask them to do, the role-playing exercises, and the questions that I'm going to ask, the orchestra is completely unprepared for because I do want this experience to be real. I want it to be, I want it to have that 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 hot sense of of reality, of truth telling. Um, because a lot of times, I think you know, people tend to sugarcoat things or tend to idealize them. And what I'm interested in is getting down to the core reality of how do people work together. What are the difficulties in working? How are they overcome? So the fact that this is happening to the musicians, in effect, at the same time it's happening to the participants, gives it a real kind of spontaneous, live feeling that I think is part of what disarms people. People are not used to having the truth told in such, you know, such uh, uh, bare and, and uh, mm-hmm. stark reality. And I think that catches people off guard. And so in, in the preparation question, Roger, so 
they know that this is what you're going to do. They know that the musicians uh, may be asked to talk about their experience. or Sometimes they don't know that. They don't even know that. So, you know, I'll, I'll, hand, I'll hand the microphone to one of the musicians, and <laughs> they can be really caught off guard by it. Yeah. yeah, I've seen it, and I thought maybe perhaps it was just a different orchestra member that you had asked the question of, but now that you're clarifying, no one is pre-exposed, wow. if you will. That's right. And nobody has, you know, one of the things that makes this work is that the kind of rank and authority and power and the pecking order that characterizes so many organizations and really gets in the way of change taking place is stripped away from everybody when they walk into the room. Mm -hmm. And so it's a completely level playing field. Yeah. And and so the, the, the kind of uh, those attachments that tend to tend to make change difficult are temporarily taken away yeah. and people are put in a place where um, first of all you know it, it might seem threatening but after a while they begin to discover that this room is a very friendly place it's a very lively and humorous place and that nobody gets hurt nobody gets embarrassed everybody looks good and and they begin to relax into it, and it puts them into a place in which this kind of revelation uh, or insight can can come more easily because they're not so attached to their previous success patterns. One of the other questions that I have for you is, you know, we, we, we know that organizations easily fall prey to being out of sync, and you've talked a little bit about how the leader himself or herself might be out of sync with being the sole player versus the team player on the orchestra. But when, when different parts of the company are functioning at the same time, uh, often you know, they have different ways of being. How, how does your program, the music paradigm, bring this to the audience so quickly? I mean, people seem to make that connection really rapidly. Well, you know, I don't deal in cliches. Uh, when I have a client, I have a conversation, a, a probing conversation with them about, like, what is this meeting about? Why, why are you spending all this money to bring your people together? What's, what's the upside for you? And what's the downside if you, if you didn't hold this meeting? What, what would happen to your organization? Uh, I probe until I have a pretty specific understanding uh, in an intellectual way but also an emotional way about what are the challenges that this organization is facing. And then I, my job is to create some way of simulating that, uh, something to ask the orchestra to spontaneously do that will correspond pretty exactly with the issues that the organization mm -hmm. is facing. And if it's presented in the right way and they can, they can hear the orchestra dysfunctioning and then functioning properly, it will resonate. The, my, my audiences are very smart people, and they figure out that even though this is an orchestra and they're, all they're producing is notes, they can see that there's a real similarity between the dynamic within that organization and the dynamic with their own. So much so that sometimes people ask me if I've ever worked in their company. Or yeah, how yeah. did I know so much about their company? Uh -huh. um, and that's just because I, I insist on being well briefed, and I won't settle for some kind of cliche idea. 
some kind of cliche understanding of what what their company is, is the challenges they're facing. Well, we're going to be right back with more of Roger Nuremberg talking about the music paradigm uh, right after this message. So please come right back. Line in business. Voice America business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rock-a-bye, baby, by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion, make sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science. But it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Star Performers. We're talking with Roger Nuremberg about the music paradigm. And, and Roger, everything you're, you're saying is really resonating. I've done a lot of similar things, not using music, but using experiential learning, kind of modified, outward-bound type programs where people are disarmed, the hierarchies are gone. And, it, and, and given that I've been trained you know, in a lot of uh, psychological tests, we all know the kind of the Rorschach inkblot you know, where you project onto the inkblot what's really going on for you. And I think what you're doing and, 
in a sense, when I do the experiential things, it's one of the best projective, projective techniques that there are. People project because the brain is meaning-making what's important in that situation uh, for them. And so uh, what I'm interested in is what are some of the connections that people make, and, and is that something that you try to do? Do you ask some of those questions? To, to You said they have insights, but do you help, help them move it to the next level, or what, what happens with that? If uh, if I could just say something before I, uh, I sure. answer the question you asked, um, this thing about Rorschach. Um, yes. The difference between looking at a Rorschach uh, test or a print, you know, an ink blot, and the music is that the music has this feeling of being alive, right. that and it comes to you, it yep. surrounds you, it engulfs you, so that. Uh, it's a much more dynamic and kind of visceral and emotional experience. Yeah, I would agree. And, and when when the emotions get stirred at the same time that the mind does, there's a kind of an integrated learning which is possible. And it's that state, that uh, that sort of creative state, in which the boundaries between what what's left and right brain have, have sort of dissolved mm-hmm that enable creative insights to come about. Um, so the question you asked was, do I, do I sort of tease out these, these insights? Yeah, what, so what, uh, do you ask the provocative questions? Do they go off and write about it? I mean, how, what, what, what happens? Because I know I've been a part of it, and it is so powerful. Yeah. Well, during, oh. during the time, the, the 90 minutes that the orchestra is there, I don't, we just do demonstrations. And it's just about the orchestra, and uh, and what's happening there, and my my kind of like acting as a guide and a host for them to understand not only the orchestra, but the conductor's relationship to the orchestra, because it has a, a very, I mean, this has a high potential for revealing things about teamwork and collaboration, but it also has a high potential for revealing things about leadership, yeah. and exploring the the conductor's relationship to the orchestra and what is dysfunctional leadership and I sometimes model that and um, uh, so we have not that for 90 minutes and then and then the musicians are dismissed they're welcome to, to come back but they tend to be busy people and have to rush off to the next thing so they do and then I invite the participants I say to them you know was there any value to this experience was there anything memorable and they begin to speak about their what insights they have. Now, of course, you know, I've been briefed a bit about what the goals for the company are, and so I, I can reinforce what they say. But it's really their insights that, that, are, mm-hmm. that sort of set the agenda, and uh, all that I do is to kind of enhance them and bring them into sharper focus. Roger, how can leaders better persuade followers like you do as the conductor with um, with some of the concepts that you've shared around the music paradigm? Um, well, you know, every situation is different, and, and I really don't believe in formulas at all. And in, uh, in my own work, you know, I, what I try to do is is understand what's really going on in the moment, and the moment can be, you know, uh, a specific moment in time, or it can be a, a stretch of time, you know, like what's happening in this 
during this three-month period or whatever, but I, I want to have a, a clear and specific understanding. Um, but what a leader must, must have is some kind of vision about where it is that, that the organization wants to go. Where is it worth going to? There, there are many goals, and a leader has to have a capacity to imagine many different scenarios and many different futures and kind of see them played out a little bit, you know, like the way a, a chess player has to be able to imagine many moves, moves ahead and imagine what, what might happen. Of course, chess doesn't have so many variables as life, so it's more complicated for a leader, but that ability to... Um, to conceive of what kind of future is worth working towards. That's step one. Step two is to translate that vision into a series of actions that people need to take. What do people need to do in order to get us there? These, these uh, two steps are, are very rich and, and not at all easy. They're, they're very creative and, uh, uh, and very challenging. And then the third step is once having figured out what people need to do, how do you communicate that to them in a way that is persuasive, that's compelling, that makes them understand the vision, and makes them want to embrace it themselves? Uh, now, a lot of people might commu- uh, concentrate on that third step of, of communicating. But unless you've done the, the previous two steps, your communication is going to be not particularly effective because you don't really have a clear and compelling goal uh, broken down into its various steps of behaviors. Uh, and I learned that because I figured out that that is essentially what I do as a conductor. That's the way that uh, conductors can engage an orchestra to really perform to its potential. Beautiful. So clear and compelling goals. What are we trying to do? What are we working towards? And how do we do it? And then how do we communicate it to others and, with and that clear and compelling way? How do we communicate it? Way. What do people have to do mm-hmm. in order to bring that, that, that vision into reality? Beautiful. Because it, you know, even having conceived of where it is that we want to go, it's not an obvious thing about what people can do in order to get us there. That's a very creative thing. No, absolutely. One of the questions uh, that I uh, that I asked you in preparation for this program was, um, you know, you you take someone, an unsuspecting participant, out of the audience, and you get them up on stage conducting an orchestra. Yeah, and it's, you I help bring them, them actually to the podium where I stand. Yes, and what is all that about? How 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 do you um, how do you look at that audience participant, and what are you doing with them? Well, the audience participant that I choose actually stands for everyone who's in the audience, because it's not a volunteer; it's just somebody I pick, and everybody knows that they could have been picked, uh, so they have a high identification with that person. And that person uh, comes to the podium, and uh, with their permission, uh, I ask if I can place the baton in their hand, and then they allow me to move their hand so they can, in effect, feel what it is like to conduct an orchestra. Now, that in itself 
is is not such a big deal. What what's the really powerful thing is actually feeling what the orchestra's response to that is. And the discovery, and this is a very, very powerful experience, the discovery that if you lead that orchestra in the right way, and we're not talking about talking to them, we're talking about just the way the baton moves, that you can just about get that orchestra to do anything. If the, if the, if the vision is clear and the movements of the baton are clear, you have such fine control over that orchestra. It is mind-blowing. Um, I will whisper into that person's ear. I'll say, for example, let's make it get dreamy. And, and then we change the way the baton moves, and suddenly the sound of the orchestra becomes dreamy. And that is a very, very powerful um, experience for any leader to have because it's it's what every leader wants. It's what we wish for. It's what we we die for. You know, to be able to have that kind of a, a response and an effect on the people whom we lead. Roger, aside from what we said earlier about the disarming and, and the powerful experience, it's so immediate that and at most organizations, any of the actions that they implement, they don't get the immediate responses that that you do here. Yeah, well, that's the great thing about music. It's a real-time art. You know, it happens in real time, and all the information is completely transparent. And so it's it's the perfect medium for doing this kind of simulation. Well, before we, we close here, Roger, if, if people want to get in touch with the music paradigm, what's the best way to get a hold of you and, and that program? Uh, we have a website. It's musicparadigm.com. Well, Roger, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show with us. You have been tremendously helpful. I'm sure our listeners are uh, just thrilled to know that there are new and innovative ways that you've created to help them understand how to be better leaders and how to be better organizational learners. Thank you so much. Thank you, Roger. This is Leadership Development News. Uh, signing off. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.